Kombucha zest have a unique brewing process, which does not just produce any old kombucha. With over 18 flavors being crafted by their super team, they not only have the best tasting kombucha, but I personally love that you can go and have a hands-on um, you know, experience where you can head to your local market or cafe and refill your bottles or get a glass and, and enjoy it that way as well. Their kombucha is full of health benefits, like all great ferments, including detoxifying through gluconic acids and probiotics, those good bugs in your gut, boosting energy with enzymes and B vitamins, and giving you mental clarity from all of the antioxidants. The perfect replacement for uh, that afternoon coffee or sugar craving, you know, if, you, if you're wanting a chocolate fix, kombucha is perfect. I recommend you try it. For me, uh, getting on board with local, innovative, and colorful people and companies, the Kombucha Zest Boys and Girls, um, it's, it's really a highlight of my job, and I'm so excited to have them on board. They allow me to bring you the Naked Naturopaths. So I encourage you to get on their website. It's kombuchazest.com, and check out their beautiful, beautiful ferment products and try them today. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to Melissa Gearing, the Naked Naturopath. Mel is a qualified naturopath, herbalist, and nutritionist. She can't wait to share her thoughts on all things health and wellness with you. My name is Melissa Gearing, and I am the Naked Naturopath. Thanks for listening in. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you're listening to this podcast. Welcome back to the Naked Naturopath. I'm really pleased to have you here. Today on the podcast, I have... I uh, got an in-house guest. We're going to talk to my husband, Sam. It's been a long time coming. I've been asking him for a couple of years now to come on the podcast and talk to you guys. Um, Sam actually has cerebral palsy. So what I wanted him to do was just come on and chat to you guys about what that means for him, what that means for us, and how how we kind of do it day to day. Welcome, Sam. Hello. Thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule today. It's all right. Sorry, I'm a bit sweaty. I just did all. That's okay because that's kind of what I want to talk to you about. I want to I want to know, yeah, how you exercise and how um, cerebral palsy affects your exercise. But firstly, I'd love it if you could tell us how you have cerebral palsy. Sure. Well, I mean, cerebral palsy is a not a disease. It's it's a it's a disability. Um, which most people commonly know that as. Um, it is a neurological condition, basically, which has developed in the first two months of life. It can be... Like a, a brain injury, a trauma, yeah, it can, or... Yeah, I'm just So something generally has to happen, right? There has to be kind of an event. There's really no... A neurological event, whether it's um, hypoxia in the brain or a... From, for me, it was, I was, I'm a twin and I was 11 weeks preemie. Um, so there was just complications at birth, I suppose. Um, so it's really a childhood disability, um, mm. which, which symptoms can develop over time, which is why we've basically devoted, I have devoted my life to moving um, to better the symptoms and slow the rate of decline. Yeah, cool. I love that. I want to. I want to like delve into cerebral palsy a little bit more because I think it's really a unique condition or disability. Uh, like you said, it's not as a disease. You know, a, a general traditional disease path. So it's a an event within the first two months of life. You said. Mm. 
And so for you, you were premature. You um, They estimated around two weeks old. You had what is similar to a stroke. Is that yeah, right? a brain hemorrhage. A brain Very, hemorrhage. From one of the better terms. And you were tiny, yeah. right? Your mum tells me that you fit into, your dad says little that you gecko. fit. Little gecko. Yeah, yeah, little lizard. You fit into the palm of their hand, um, which is so, so little. Uh, so your poor little brain was not ready to come out and function on its own. You were in those cubicle mm. things. Um, NICU ward, yeah. Yeah, and the neonatal stuff. Um, so your brain was just overloaded. Uh, the blood vessels probably weren't as mature. Correct. And your brother, however, did not have that happen. He is completely able. He doesn't have cerebral palsy. And Correct. you both had the same conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've, I suppose that's life, I guess. There is an element of luck <laughs> involved in mm-hmm. life and I drew the the relative short straw. The CP straw. One. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. So um, let me. <laughs> it's not cool, but it's that's not cool. It is what it is. It is, you know. But so the way that you look at it, however, is cool because you're very positive. You just you do your day to day stuff. A lot of people who meet you don't know that you have cerebral palsy until you get drunk or tired. <laughs> Because then you get clumsy. Yeah, so tell over, me about the ex- trip over deceptively flat floor. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about the exercise side of things. Um, why do you do it? Why do you do it for a job? So for those who haven't listened to any previous podcasts with me and Sam, he is an exercise physiologist. He's a PT. He's a CrossFit coach. He's a weightlifting coach. He's this amazing dude who does everything in the gym. Who treats uh, people with. Um, disabilities and yeah disease and and rehabs and and just even people who want to lose weight and get fit and stuff like that as well so tell me um what exercise means to you and and what it's meant for your body Mm. i suppose the the type of there's three kind of types of cerebral palsy there's spastic cerebral palsy there's ataxic cerebral palsy and then there's athetotic um or athetoid cerebral palsy and I, i suppose my symptoms present in as a spastic cerebral palsy predominantly and then i also have athetoid cerebral palsy which a lot of people haven't really heard of but it's basically just fine motor um clonus or just little movements um that kind of affects basically just my hand can i put this into perspective for listeners yes so we're lying in bed you're dead to the world asleep and your left hand starts just kind of tickling my ear or my hair and i'm like stop it stop it and it's just doing its own thing when i first met you i thought you had alien hand yes that's what you call it (laughs) no i call him lefty yeah um, so, it is, is what it is. Sometimes but, nice, but sometimes scary. Yeah. Um, not really. I don't know. Whatever. It's your story. That's fine. Um, basically, what exercise means to me is what I said before is I get to slow the rate of decline in my body, um, which I find kind of defines why I move and why I'm an exercise physiologist and why I try and help people in the same or different situations kind of better their situation and, and slow the rate of decline um, in terms of good health over time and longevity. When I said before that a lot of people don't know that you have CP, uh, one of the biggest shocks that I ever got was when I met your um, friends who also had uh, cerebral palsy, who you played football From the with? Football team, yeah. 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 And the disparity between how they presented and how you presented was was shocking to me. Mm. And yes, they played football, but they didn't do anything outside of that to uh, really help their mobility and their flexibility. And you could see that in the way that they 
looked. I think with some of them, yeah, uh, there's often often people look at a directed source of exercise, and for them that was their outlet, that was their um, their vocation, I guess, in in football. So they devoted a lot of time to the to the skill of football and technique rather than moving in general, um, which I think there's a really big difference. Even in the time that I've known you, I think that it's become less obvious. So the more that you moved away from certain types of exercise like CrossFit and into a more specific type of exercise like weightlifting, I know that that really just suits you and your body, but it seems to really suit your uh, disability as well in terms of um, just making you stronger and, and more even, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, gym, the gymnastic, I loved CrossFit and I still love CrossFit. Um, I really enjoy coaching it. I um, really enjoy watching it. Um, however, personally, it, it didn't suit my body in terms of the gymnastic elements um, to that. Um, I really enjoy weightlifting and it does really suit me. Um, for those that I suppose I haven't really spoken about what I do as a job, but I spent six years working as an exercise physiologist in a hospital setting in rehab, surgical, medical field, um, and I spoke to a lot of geriatricians about the the best form of exercise for longevity, and, and without a doubt, it, it came back as strength training. Um, you can, you can uh, aerobic conditioning is super important for recovery and longevity as well. But if you can't get up off the floor or you can't sit down to a chair or the toilet or get up to make yourself a cup of tea or some food, then you will have a very tough time in life, whether you have a disability or not. So I've kind of devoted my my moving to having good mobility um, in terms of range of motion through my joints, um, stability through the joints as well. Um, and the strength that goes along with yeah, weightlifting or just moving weight. <laughs> and in your career in general, because yeah. those are the things that you say to people in the gym, I hear you. Mm. I hear you say right. those exact things. You know, you're like, and your mum, she repeats it. She's like, what I, you know, what she's learned over the years from you is immense, and that is that as you age, if you want uh, longevity in your movement and in your life, um, which means that you can look after mm. yourself in your, you know, your elderly years, then you do that functional movement and you um, strengthen mm. yeah. the the everyday things that you do, mm. which may not be muscle ups. <laughs> no. I mean, look, if we're falling off a cliff and we need to do a muscle-up to get <laughs> over the edge, then we all need to do, be able to do a muscle-up. We won't talk about cliffs, but... No. Uh, <laughs> no. It's one of the other ways no. that you can develop CP is yes. by falling. Oh, traumatic injuries. Yes. Um, there is well, acquired brain injury. Um, but strength training for me is super, super important. Of course, you can overdo it and you need a good balance like I just did a, a metabolic conditioning workout just then. It looked awful. Um, yeah, it was horrible. It, was, it looked um, awful. Yeah. <laughs> but but it's, it's a, it is a range of motion over time. It's a range of workouts over, over a long period of time. It's, it's using different modalities uh, and those all can assist you in, in having a holistic body and movement patterns over time. So we talk about that balance between your left and right side and your holistic, you, you just mentioned a holistic body. So for those listening in, um, how would you explain how your cerebral palsy affects your body? 
Oh, right. So I suppose the type of cerebral palsy I spoke about before is I've got a bit of spasticity um, and also a bit of athetoid cerebral palsy, but I do have hemiparesis or hemiplegia, which is um, one side affected of the body, which for me is my left side. So I'm right-handed, right-footed, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, because I think people just don't know. So when when I was pregnant with Callie, we – um, commonly, I guess, commonly enough and awkwardly <laughs> got asked if she might have yeah, what you have. That's not genetic, yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. no, there's no um, evidence to suggest in any in any realm that cerebral palsy is a, a, a genetic predisposition or even a cognitive ability, uh, your cognitive um, or intelligent uh, not cognitive intelligence, you know, cognitive ability is impaired, mm. uh, you can get complications because it is a traumatic brain mm. injury or a neurological condition that you do get um, intellectual disabilities as well as cerebral palsy. But but through def- the definition of the fact is that it's a physical disability, not necessarily a, a mental or cognitive disability. No, you're, well. you're clever enough. Yes. Yeah, so you do seem to have selective hearing, yeah, but I don't say. think that's... <laughs> I think that's just a male trait. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, you know, when you asked me to marry you, I said, "Will you be more likely to have another stroke or to have another hemorrhage?" Yeah, you know, I, I was I, like, "Am I going to have to look after this?" Yeah, probably. So, do you, do you know? Is there? I mean, the fact that the vessels are are weakened in the in the brain probably pre, predisposed me to another a, a, another um, cerebrovascular event, mm-hmm. if you want to use a clinical term. Um, but the, the strengthening that I'm doing in terms of strength training, in terms of uh, breath holding, in terms of bracing, in terms of strength, <coughs> should should um, should abate those symptoms. And should what else do we do? Every single week, I get your little pill case and I put in all your yeah. herbal supplements to strengthen your blood yeah, vessels. Yeah, we do all the. <laughs> you do. We do all the right things. We do table. all that stuff. You, you know, know, what's the point in us doing these jobs if we don't do it for ourselves? Yeah, I take all my herbs, all of my blood. You herbs. take your liquid herbs. You take your tablet herbs. You take your supplements. It's all for longevity. Um, something that you have, and I know it's genetic, but I also wonder if it's worsened um, somehow. Like I don't know by the strength of your blood vessels and all that kind of stuff because it seems really related to me is the high blood pressure as well. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, and maybe somewhere down the line on some level that percentage of predisposed or genetic factor to um, weakened vessels or, or hardened arteries in terms of that blood pressure stuff through the family um, may have slightly in in some realm affected my cerebral mm. Either Set either. that off or... You know, Chicken and an egg. Yeah, exactly. Because you're, you know, you're medicated for that high blood pressure, which is yeah. an absolute necessity for you, mm. um, plus I give you herbs for it. Yeah, and I'm of good weight. I you're a great weight. Day. You exercise. You do yeah. the cardiovascular work. And your doctor and I are still very surprised at the height of that mm. blood pressure. So... It's just a really interesting, um, yeah, side factor there. Yeah, I mean, but I have I have paternal and maternal aspects of mm, genetic of, of those. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. Well, I reckon I reckon we'll get some questions on this one. So, um, if you have any, you know, burning 
burning questions for Sammy, please email us in because we'll do another yeah. cast. Yeah, actually, what I'd like to hear from you as well is is the ability to, I suppose, for the parents of people with disabilities and things like that, is is getting the knowledge out there that you don't have to protect your child too much. Um, really, really harsh thing to say, but I think it's so true. Is it's okay to watch your child suffer, um, and that's a really hard thing to to say as a parent myself as well. But I think developing resilience in a child is really important. So, for instance, a, a really simple example is, you know, my parents, my mum and my dad watched me for 48 hours, literally for two days straight just doing my, two, my shoelaces up. You know, they literally just watched me tie my shoelaces up, over, up and over and over and over again. I know that's a very um, simple way of putting it, but... They could have easily have just done my shoes up for me, um, whereas, you know, I never forgot how to tie my shoelaces up after yeah. that. Um, and I know of many adults with cerebral palsy that still wear Velcro shoes because they never had the opportunity um, to just do their shoelaces up. Yeah. And it's hard for the, like that dexterity factor. So I think uh, if you have a disability or you or – you, um, have a child with a disability, it is okay to build that resilience and it is okay to watch your child suffer a little bit in terms of, you know, perseverance through a task. Um, but anyway, I'd like, Mel and I would really like to answer your questions on that and that's kind of my passion in terms of disabilities is the ability to build resilience in, in a child and help them be self-sustaining in society and, and having that social um well adjustment or well adjusted socially um, to be a well rounded and holistic person. Yeah, hmm. that's awesome. Hmm. It's really beautiful, babe. Thank you so much for your time. Pleasure. I'm going to go to work. Talk to you soon, guys. If you like what we do here at The Naked Naturopath, then be sure to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To learn more about Mel and MG Herbs, jump onto mgherbs.com, follow us on Facebook at MG Herbs Australia and Instagram at MG Herbs Official. Please keep in mind that all advice and opinions on The Naked Naturopath are not individualized. To get the right advice for you, be sure to make a booking with Mel or your health professional. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.